Worm the Hockey Podcast is back in the saddle this week. We are attempting, uh, and I'll let everybody know because we made no secret about it with um, the technical difficulties we've had for two weeks in a row now. We are attempting episode 40 again, um, see if we can salvage any audio this week and get it uploaded for everybody. Um, episode 40 of War Room Hockey Podcast. We're going to cover a few headlines here before we kind of jump into the meat of the episode. Um, I threw together for this week for, for the meat of the episode um, my all-decade team. Decade is finished um, as well as um, we are going to discuss the lead into the trade deadline this week um that's going to be the meat of the episode um but to start like we always do uh for first some headlines then your favorite some trivia and then we're gonna uh jump into a word from uh a friend of the show and head right into the meat of what we want to talk about today um a couple headlines we'll start in the bchl um James Davenport, among others, uh, but James Davenport of the Victoria Grizzlies is the latest NCAA commit, committing to Brown University. Uh, Surrey Eagle, Christophe Tellier, has been named Player of the Week in the BCHL. Uh, in three games played, he's got five goal or three goals, five assists, excuse me, for eight points. Um, Easier said than done in Langley. It is, in or around, Surrey. Or Surrey, um, I mean. Um, and we just, uh, a week or so ago... Um, we attempted to put it in uh, last week and the week before, um, but with our technical difficulties, you didn't hear it. But we did see Trail and and the Trail Smoke Eaters and Penticton V's play, and we saw um, Johnson Kent Johnson, kid from from Trail. Um, Remember he's that name. Running everybody. away with the BCHL, he's got seventy nine or eighty points in like forty games played, or at that time anyway. They played several games since, but. At the time of seeing him, that's what he had. Yeah. Uh, he, he is running away with it. So um, he's averaging uh, he's averaging nearly two points a game, and he's been that way all year. This is not a hot streak. This has been going on all year long. Remember that name. He's from Port Moody, BC, and he is uh, he's just he's a different kind of player. We watched him play, and it's very impressive the way he plays all over the ice. His rights belong to Everett in the WHL. Yep. He's he, committed to Michigan. And he's committed to Michigan. But remember the name, folks, Kent Johnson. Now, if they, end up, if they end up, he's older, but if they end up together at Michigan, him and Finley Williams could be a pretty dynamic duo yeah. at, at Michigan. Finley Williams from, uh, from Prince George, PG. and we yeah. t- touched on him in episodes past. He is, um, these kids are, Finley is a, he's a, 16 year old he's 16 16 uh yeah so and kent johnson is an 02 so he will be draft eligible uh he should be draft eligible 2021 yeah that's right he misses the deadline this year just by a couple of weeks yep so 2021 is his first year of draft eligibility watch this kid i don't know if he'll stay in trail for another season or if he might skip to everett and which would mean he's not going to michigan uh, or what his plan is, but remember that name, Kent Johnson, uh, good looking player, good uh, center iceman that plays a hundred percent of the game. Any BCH other BCHL news you want to touch on before we uh, transition to other headlines here? To um, before we jump into, you know, I want to give a shout out to things. Pete Reynolds in uh, in Chilliwack. He's a BC commit, 
a local boy grew up in Chilliwack having a great season and another kid just like Kent Johnson having a, a real consistent year. They don't take nights off, weeks off. They have Neither one of these guys have had prolonged slumps. Uh, just a real solid player and uh, on a real good team. So uh, good for him. He's uh, These guys are fun to watch, and it's fun to watch them become the – you know, the Kerfoots and the New Hooks and the McCars and, and uh, the kids that come out of Junior A to really, uh, really make a place for themselves in this show. And I think we're going to see them. Yeah. Uh, WHL, uh, road to the Memorial Cup. Well, one other thing, sorry. Regarding the BC, uh, latest news is Merritt will not be going anywhere. Oh, okay. uh, glad you mentioned that. They yep. are um, community-owned. Okay. They are uh, just having a rebuild. So they, it's just a rough rebuild. <laughs> yeah, it's just a tough rebuild, and uh, and they're not they're not going any place. There's no no sense in promoting a rumor that doesn't exist. So uh, good for them. Hope they stay. And uh, the rebuild's underway. They've already shipped out some of their older guys, and they're on a they're on a full rebuild. They've got a young coaching staff, and um, and a, an upcoming young roster. So it may take a couple of years, but anyway, the bottom line is they're not moving. Okay. Well, uh, good for them. Although we t- we touched on it before, um, I think we both agree Abbotsford would be a good spot for a BC team, it a BCHL team. Would. So um, maybe maybe one day down the road. WHL news um, heading into the Memorial Cup, the home stretch for their um, Portland, Kamloops, and Edmonton are running away with their respective divisions. Um, I have the standings here pulled up. Um, Portland is uh, first place in the U.S. division with 71 points. That's 10 points over Everett. Um, Kamloops, 63. That's 10 points over the 53-point Victoria Royals. And uh, Edmonton with 69. That's 9 points over Medicine Hat uh, in the central division. Um, The Memorial Cup host uh, Kelowna Rockets have continued to slip. They are third place now in their division. 45 points, um, not far removed by only three points from being a wild card team. Um, now they are the host, so they automatically get in no matter where they finish, just it's, simply because they host. However, looking at the standings and looking at how they're playing, they're in for a, r- a rough end of the year it, if that's the way these, things yeah, finish. Um, when these guys run into Sherbrooke or or Guelph or whomever, uh, when they get to the cup, it's going to be. It's going to be tough sledding. We've seen them uh, several times this year. Uh, the last time we saw them was when Nolan, Nolan Foote was at the World Junior, and uh, certainly that's a big, a big hole in their lineup. But uh, the man, it, it's just going to be tough. Yeah. It, they're they're going to run into some real trouble. Uh, surprise team in the WHL, um, the Winnipeg Ice. Oh yeah, um, they are the surprise team this year. They're, it's their first year in Winnipeg, and they are currently sitting in first place in the East Division, ahead of the one of the most dominant teams last year, Prince Albert. So, and they have good come on them. from they've come from a, a a real rebuilding kind of spot because uh, their last year in Cranbrook was difficult, and they did not get off to a good start. So they have put together. Uh, they put together a real good 25 or 30 game run here and, and good for them. I mean, they're, uh, they're seven and three in their last 10. Uh, so, and this is without Matt Savoy. He's not there yet, but 
this is uh, this is a really good story. Yeah. Uh, in NCAA news, uh, we are down to the home stretch. We touched on it um, before the um, first round of bracketology, if you will, heading into um, the end of the year tournaments and the Frozen Four has come out. Um, and right now, uh, as of this morning when I looked, Cornell is now sitting number one in the nation. So they're playing good hockey. Um, stadium series in the NHL, LA Kings, Colorado Avalanche, Air Force Academy, and Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, the Colorado College Tigers, Air Force Falcons will be playing outdoors before that before the, that NHL contest takes place. Um, Jonathan Taze and uh, Duncan Keith had a scuffle at Hawks practice. It happens. You know, happens. You, get, you get into battle drills and... It it doesn't happen as much as it used to, but some of the best fights and the best fights you'd ever see was number one in training camp back in the in the days when guys were fighting for spots literally, and that there were enforcers on every roster, sometimes three or four of them, and guys were you know you had to come to camp and prove yourself. But you get in these battle drills, and and whether you're a veteran who feels like he's been disrespected or you're a rookie trying to be noticed, um, you know you just it happens so. This is not a big thing. These guys have been these guys have been teammates and and winners for the last 12, 13 years, 14 years together. So not a big deal. Boys just having a little fun. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see some emotion. Nice to see a little passion even in a in practice during the dog days of the year. Staying in Chicago, uh, Patrick Kane has reached the 1000 point mark. What a what a good story this guy is. I mean, he could have easily turned out to be Nico Heischer. Remember when size. we thought he was going to flunk out after his cab issues and, well, and yeah. things and he, like that. And we yeah. didn't think after that that he'd stick around long in a, dress, in a dressing room or locker room. That's a hockey debate. Is it a dressing room or a locker room? <laughs> it's a dressing just, room just for the, me. Just the but, same as, is it a sweater or a jersey? <laughs> it's a sweater. Um, but, but the but point still, is, uh, we didn't think he'd mesh well in a room after some of his behavioral issues to start. But, you know, you, you learn now with a thousand points and things like that, that that's your typical 19 year old kid who's now come into millions of dollars and off on his own without really much tutelage or, or, or learning. So, well, it um, came into a real difficult situation too in Chicago because there was not a lot of really good, strong, long-term veteran leadership there for him. Uh, and he was, he was a teenager and he was small and he had some maturity issues, but through it all, whether he was having trouble off the ice or, you know, regardless of what happened, he's put together, uh, what is it? Uh, what is he? 11 years now in the show? Something he was like drafted that? in 07. In seven. So he's 13, so he's 12, 13 years. Yeah. He's, he's just been absolutely consistent. No matter what happens to that team, he scores. He's, uh, yep, he's become a, a very, very complete player. He could have he could have let his off-ice trouble get to him. He could have turned out to be Nail Yakupov, for all anybody knows. Mm-hmm. But good on that kid. He's, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, and he's really he's just in the meat of his career right now. He's got a good seven or eight years left, probably. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, hey, before we NHL com- Seattle, I want to touch on okay. this. NHL Seattle has officially bon- begun construction on their arena. Um, ground gonna... groundbreaking that's officially begun. Um, so they are headed in the direction of a 2021 inaugural season. 
that's an odd are they it, it's probably going to stay generally the same as it well, is it's right a landmark now. in seattle so yeah. they can't change they're it they're not going to change much so what but it's going to be is it's going to be a unique arena in the nhl because the entrance the entrance is the in concourse the, the concourse yeah. the entrance where you walk in off the street type of thing right you see yeah. in the main doors are going to be are going to enter you at the rafters at the top. they're yeah. going to enter you at the top because it's going to be a sunken arena because that um, complex um, can't even remember what it was what it was to Seattle before they've turned it into the NHL arena but that complex was a landmark in Seattle and to have landmark status that means that any changes you make to the building I think three walls three walls and the roof or something like that has to stay say has to stay structurally sound or the same right. so um there's Key arena is what they yeah so there's only the so much they can do with it um what are they going to name that team have you heard anything have not um i've heard that the um i've heard rumors that the name could come out at the trade deadline i've heard rumors that uh or not at the trade deadline sorry at the, at uh the, at the draft yeah um, that would make sense uh different things like that or at but, the or at the nhl awards maybe yeah um but nothing set in stone yet no name yet so um but anyways that just touch on that um what were you saying well, i was just going to say before we get completely out of junior hockey the uh, world junior championship was was absolutely fantastic again and it just proved the point that we talked about prior to the tournament starting there's five teams in that tournament that can all beat each other, and most years they do. Somebody will win in the in the round robin. Somebody else will win in the medal round or in the uh, in the elimination. So between Russia, Canada, the U.S., uh, Finland, and Sweden, it's really, really just a a coin flip every night as to who shows up with a hot goalie, who gets a bounce. Like Canada got beat. Six nothing in the round robin by Russia, just blown. Uh, it wasn't even that close. And then in the medal round, they they handled them easily. So uh, great tournament. I was as we talked about a couple of times, really concerned about the way Scott Sandlin handled his bench and the ice time that guys didn't get. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they just like Trevor Zegers, probably one of the, one of the top forwards in that tournament. And he was playing eight, nine, 10 minutes. I, I, nobody understood it. I couldn't understand his, his special teams, uh, especially his penalty kill was really, really odd to me. Overly aggressive in the first couple of games, way too passive in the, in the elimination rounds. I didn't get it. Uh, real quick, um, before we uh, st- step away for a quick break uh, and come back with the lead into the trade deadline, as well as um, some just fun talk about um, all-decade teams and, and things like that, um, trivia question for you. Now, you know, I did one, pretty well. One question. It, all right. Okay. Well, one if you get it right. But yeah. uh, when did the NHL begin to use two referees in each game? Oh. Uh. 91 1998 98 98 oh my gosh okay oh, i missed it by a lot i thought it was early 90s when that happened to create the allure of the trivia we'll leave it at one question right or wrong answer but uh 1998 was the first year for the two referee system hmm. uh before anything hit the subscribe button rate and review and settle in for episode number 40 of war room the hockey podcast 
prayers and fingers crossed that we can get the audio figured out and uploaded for everybody. Episode 40 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast. podcast is proud to partner with Breakaway Brewing in downtown Summerland, the finest in small batch craft beer and house-made food from local growers and sources. Open for lunch and dinner Wednesday through Sunday with weekly specials. Check breakawaybrewingcompany.com or on Facebook and Instagram for the latest beer releases and menu news. Breakaway from Ordinary. episode 40 this week we are um beginning with um a miscellaneous uh comment we while we were on break we we discussed a little bit um you have a, a comment to make about analytics yes I, I believe you said well yeah i for lack of anything better to do while you were off playing around during christmas and new years uh i was looking at analytics and that this argument goes back quite a few years and it's probably why guys like Kyle Dubas and and uh, John Chaka in Arizona got hired uh, because it was a big thing. You're, you know, years ago when Corsi and Fenwick and all these different analytics came out and websites popped up that were tracking every little detail. And I've always, you know, just being an old, you know, kind of a dinosaur, I, I, I've always been of the mindset that the only analytic that mattered was wins and losses and none of the rest of it mattered. But I thought, well, let's go back and look see what actually makes sense so in looking at the last four or five six cup winners none of them had a pattern regarding power play kill uh shooting percentage save percentage Corsi, fenwick none of it related proportionally to wins and losses none so you got teams that are winning cups or in the finals, and their power play was 14th, their penalty kill was 12th, their Corsi was 21st, the Fenwick was 11th, or something like that. It's just all over the map. There is nothing that matters. The only one that matters is the shot chart. And the shot chart, when you get the most shots from inside the home plate area, or the house area, whatever you want to refer to that slot in between the dots, that's the only one that matters. The problem is once you identify the fact that you're not getting enough shots from there, that's just 10% of the battle. Now you got to figure out how to get the guys that'll get there and how to get the puck to that area. So, but that's the only one that you could track and say that the, the teams with the most shot attempts from that area on goal were always the teams that either won the cup, they were in the finals, or at least in the conference finals. So that was that was my look at analytics and and as you see by this recent did you look at the recent uh, NHL player polls 
No. Did you see any of those? I haven't seen any of those. They, they, uh, the players, 71% of the players, by the way, uh, said that Wes McCauley is by far the best official in the league, which we all knew. And mm-hmm. good on him for doing what he did in the Kachuk battle there when Calgary was in Ottawa. If you didn't see the opening face-off, uh, YouTube it. But the players, like 80-some percent of the players said that analytics are totally meaningless to them. And I think it's really, it was a big thing for a few years, and people have figured out that it's not anymore. So that was my that was my look at analytics. I was more than anything just trying to validate the fact that my old way of looking at things really has some merit. So the analytics proved me right again by being meaningless. Well, does that make sense? <laughs> I find I find that older generations of fans in with today's game are really bitter because the game just didn't age with them. <laughs> Am I a bitter old man? Well, no. I I I like that comment because I listened to um, a podcast on YouTube with Freddie Prince Jr., the actor. Yeah, and he's a big Star Wars fan, and he was men- he was referencing um, how angry people are with the latest Star Wars movies and how they're not great and oh Disney and all this stuff. And he he said that exact quote. So credit to him. He said, "What you're angry with isn't." the movie or isn't the content or isn't the quality what you're angry really with is that it just hasn't aged with you and i relate that to older hockey fans i relate that to hockey fans who struggle as the game evolves and adapts into new generations is if they're upset about things what they're really upset about is that the game just hasn't aged with them the idea that you, you have to wear a visor today. The idea that, you know, Arizona's in first place. The idea that these types of things, where, whereas back in the day, it's original six. Back in the day, southern teams didn't have a team. Back in the day, you didn't have to wear a helmet, let alone a visor. Back in the day, it was... It was Flat top haircuts. Back in the day, it was... The brush. Fighting cut. without instigating and things like that and while i can agree with some things like the instigator rule and whatever at the end of the day really what i find with especially with people i know and things it's it it is bitterness that the game just hasn't evolved and grown with them and has kind of evolved and grown in a different direction on its own and that's really what I relate it to. So I'm glad we're not on television. The, the, the gestures that go along with the these gestures. kind of conversations really are, uh, they're very troublesome. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, lead in. Uh, and by the way, talking about Phoenix, they are. We're going to leave that alone because it's still too, because not because I'm afraid to admit I was wrong or because of anything like that, but because we've touched on it. And now at the end of the day, it's all speculation, and all it would be is you and me pushing each other's buttons yeah. with no real constructive outcome to it until we see the end of the season. So you think that Arizona not only will not finish in first, but will fall completely out of the playoffs. Yes. I think that at the end of the day, even if they don't finish first, Arizona will be in the playoffs. There you go. We'll see. You said you said I owe you a beer at breakaway. I said you owe me a whiskey. Whoever wins it, there you go. Bingo. Done. All okay. right. Anyway, lead in. Uh, we are 
near the end of January already to think that the new year came and now we're already almost done the first month of the year yeah. is crazy. But All-Star January break. is almost done. We are now on All-Star break. I think there's one or two games a game to today um, as of this recording. And then every team takes a week break for All-Star and all that stuff. It's their bye week, if you will. Um and but what that means Netflix while this is going but what on. that means is we are also in, in the final what is it <clears throat> 30 30 games. days or what, how many days There's about 30 games of the season no I mean, till the trade deadline oh till the trade deadline uh, is uh, first of March end of February so 30 30 days or so a little over a month yeah about 30 days till the trade deadline, so we are on the home stretch to that. And then there's also about, what, 30, maybe 35, depending on who you are, games left in the season. Correct. Um, so the stre- lead into the trade deadline, um, part of my research, I was just kind of pulling up trade rumors, uh, trade bait, all this stuff. I found the I found uh, credit to TSN here. Um, I found their um, top 30 players to watch heading into the trade deadline. And they have it in order. Um, there's no big name guys this year like like last year, but uh, they are middle six forwards. They could be an impact player for a, a team that wants to be kind of brought over the hump a little bit yeah. um, heading into the playoffs. Number um, your thirtieth um, player. Well, first of all, let me touch. I want to go off this article and I want to touch on dark horse players leading into the trade deadline. Okay. Guys who might get traded, that dark you horse players that may, that you could see get moved, okay, but aren't mentioned in your top trade bait lists, right? Um, Ryan Murray, Craig Smith in Nashville, Kasperi Kapanen, Andreas Janssen in Toronto. I can see that. Marcus Foligno in Minnesota. Oh boy, and I really like Marcus Jeff Foligno. Jeff Petrie in Montreal those dark horses and this is all again this is all um TSN on this article on this list this is their dark horses that they have listed um it's hard for us with uh the lead into the trade deadline to kind of create our own just because it's just so unknown and um well and everything. everything depends on who in the next two or three weeks coming out of the all-star break if teams like Columbus or Montreal or somebody on the bubble, Buffalo, Minnesota, Chicago, you you win six out of seven, all of a sudden you be you become a buyer. Yep. Possibly, if mm-hmm. you depending on your cap, you lose five out of seven, all of a sudden people like Robin Leonard uh, or Kovalchuk or somebody like that, they're all they're all up for grabs. So so much, especially with the bubble teams. I mean, the guys at the bottom. They know what they're. They know where they're going to end up. The guys in the lottery, the guys at the top, they may be looking for a bargain uh, to shore something up on defense or put some depth in. But you're right. There's no deal breakers in here. There's some. There's some considerably good depth mm-hmm. available. Um, other candidates to watch. These are again. These are um, players that they have listed, um, but not in, in the top thirty trade bait. Other players to watch: Ilya Kovalchuk, yep, um, Melker Carlson. Tyler Ennis, Zach Bogosian, Andy Green, Ron Hainsey, Craig Anderson, uh, Valtteri Filpula, Luke Glendening. A number of these are going to come from Detroit, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Clifford, Mike Green, Marco Scandella, and Elias Anderson. 
or Leah Sanderson. Um, those are other candidates to watch. But the real big ones are the t- the top 30 that TSN, or I say TSN, the hockey news, forgive me. This is hockey news. They're not the be-all, end-all, but this is their, their trade bait list that they have leading into the trade deadline. Um, number 30 on that list, Connor Timmons. In Colorado. Um, I don't want to see Timmons traded. The only thing that I will agree with, and I don't normally agree with the hockey news, but what I will agree with is you just, you just extended Sam Girard. He's 28, 21, 22. Right. Kale McCarr is Kale McCarr. Okay. And he's not going anywhere. And he's not going anywhere. He's gonna be. He's now one of your new guys added to the core. Right. That's, that you guarantee will be re-upped to a major contract extension when the time comes. And then you have Bowen Byram coming right. in the next year or two, depending. Um, that frees up a Connor Timmons who has had health issues, who has not been a standout even in the AHL this year, right. let alone in the NHL. Did not play horribly in preseason. Um, still looked okay the first couple games, but has not been a standout the way Kale McCarr has done, for example. So what it does is it opens um, Sackick up to have a young defender with that still has a good amount of potential as as bait a, a bait a trade piece to help you bring to help Sackick bring in a catalyst to help the, to help push a cup contending squad over the top, if you will. Right. Yep. So it, it opens him, it opens the abs up. That's the only reason I would agree with Connor Timmons being moved. It's a, to me, it's the same argument with why Tyson Berry was moved, just different points in their careers. Right. Timmons can be moved because he got Gerard and McCarr, two very similar players to Timmons and Byron. And now you have Byron coming, right? It's why you could afford to move Tyson Berry. It's why you can afford to bait Timmons out there a little bit. Um, so I, I I kind of agree with him being included. He's a good example of somebody that we don't see him every night because they play in the AHL, and we can't watch every AHL game every night, and we don't see all of the all the reports on these guys. But when you when you watch your prospects, especially in the AHL. You may wonder where this guy went. You may wonder why a guy like Brendan Leipzig can't play in Toronto, but he's having a nice go in Washington. Uh, Josh Levo can't play in Toronto, but he's he's got a regular spot in Vancouver. You don't see these guys every night. You don't know how they fit in. You don't you don't see what they do and don't do well that fits your system. And Timmons might be one of those guys. You never know. But when you when your staff when your development guys see these players every single night for months and months and sometimes a couple of years developing, that's when somebody will be on the trade block that'll shock you because you thought they were a great prospect and how could they let this guy go and then this happens. So yeah, they, they know what they're doing and, and most of the time it's, uh, as we always say, a very inexact science, but mm-hmm. they get paid to do that every night and we get paid to pick it apart. Speaking of the avalanche, um, real quick, from what you've seen has um can you give a preliminary guess on whether or not uh andre burkowski will be re-upped after this year he's only on a one-year deal will he be added will be extended and added for to be a young piece uh, i sure i sure like the way he has fit in there 
I mean, he's a, he's a skill guy. He's not going to be horrendously expensive. Uh, you know, he's just, he's a you guy. You could extend that, him for a three or four year extension at well, he's, four he's, million or whatever. Boy, yeah. Well, they've got cap space, but they're going to need it too. He's making 3.2 now. And frankly, that he was overpaid in Washington. He might make more than that now because he's having such a good year in Colorado. And good on Joe Sackick. Everything he has touched in the last two or three years has been gold. Uh, Pierre Edward Belmar, yep. fantastic. Val Nachushkin. That's my other. From the, that's from he's the my scrap other one. Heap. He's my other one. Has Val Nachushkin earned a new contract? From he, what you've seen so far, has he earned a? One or two year, one point three two million dollar contract long. extension for yep. a middle six, bottom six forward role with yep. the Avalanche moving forward. Has Absolutely. he earned that? For sure. Okay, That's, that was my question because he's not going to cost you much. Now Burakovsky depends on his ask, but he fits there really well. Mm-hmm. You don't. The other thing that affects his bargaining power that we don't have access to is how well is somebody like Shane Bowers or Marty Kaut. How are these guys coming along? If a guy, a skilled guy like Kaut is ready to step in next year, it diminishes Burakovsky's a little bit, yeah. posture. So that's what we don't see. But on the subject, I remember all of the, all the wailing uh, in 17 when Philadelphia jumped up like eight or 10 spots in the, in the lottery, lottery system and Colorado dropped from in that terrible year down to fourth Mm -hmm. and granted i'm not making a case for the lottery because it is severely broken system but it is terrible but they got kill mccarr out of it but they got the best player in that draft by far Mm -hmm. he sure uh, real forgettable uh the only guy in that draft that you could argue would be heiskanen heiskanen was a good pick but he's sure not producing the way mccarr is not even close and and uh, although he's he's a great skater he's gonna be around forever and he's got great upside uh you know and nolan patrick poor kid hasn't had a healthy month since he got drafted so as much as that was terrible, boy, Makar is absolutely a steal in the fourth spot. Yep. Anyway. But makes you wonder, though, if the Avs had Makar on their radar the whole time. And if they, at, the, if, at that point, would Makar have been the first overall pick if they hadn't fallen? Right. Or would they have gone with Nolan Patrick the way the Flyers did? Exactly. Kind of makes you kind of you makes you know. ask. You'd anyway. have to you'd have to get you'd have to get Sackick on some mm-hmm. truth serum to figure that out. Uh-huh. The other guy that yeah. you got to remember too. Sorry, but I just I didn't want to forget this guy because we've talked about him quite a lot since last summer. Uh, that makes makes it okay to maybe shop Connor Timmons or to look at maybe Ian Cole's retirement in a couple of years. Ryan, Ryan Graves. Graves. Holy smokes! You know he's 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 a guy who. He'd be a rookie this year if he didn't if he played one less game last year. He'd be he'd be competing with McCarr for rookie of the year this yeah. year if he played one last game last year and he didn't even play in the playoffs last year. Didn't play in the playoffs for the Avalanche last year. And on top of that, he's he went from a nobody trade piece for the New York Rangers. I know. To a nobody floundering AHL guy for the Avalanche to now not just in the NHL on a regular shift, he is now he is now your top pair defenseman yep. with Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr and Ryan Graves are your top two defensemen, and Gerard and Johnson are now your middle two defensemen. They, Ryan Graves 
is now your top defenseman. That's a great top four, by the way. Yeah. And that's why when you talk about dark horses, that's why you got to love this team. The way they the way they gel together up front, the way they play on D. If that team gets good goaltending, we're going to be talking about them into June. Yeah. So. Okay. Moving forward. Yep. Um, to not drag this out to a two-hour episode or whatever, <laughs> um, I'm going to list off the some more trade bait here. Yep. Um, if there's nothing to be said about it, that's fine. Throw out the name. Move on. If there's anything to add, we'll add it. But to help us get through this a little bit, we'll just throw out the name unless there's something to be added. Um, so Jeremy Bracco, Maple Leafs. Yeah, gone. Um, Jesse Pugliarvi. Been talking about him on trade bait for a while. Yeah. Uh, Michael Froelich. Guy gets traded. Yeah, I think what he gets traded two or three times a year. Ever since I've, yeah, well, he he found a home in Calgary for a, no, a few years yeah, before he was just moved so. to Buffalo. Um, Alexander Gorgiev. Yeah, the Rangers probably have to move the a Rangers. goaltender. Think it'll be Gorgiev, or do you think Lundqvist will move? Uh, I'd be shocked if Lundqvist moved. I would too, but I mean, I'm just saying from a from, rebuild future perspective. If you, you know Gorgiev being your guy behind Lundqvist to the point of creating even the discussion, whether it's just you and me or it's or it's anybody on some television show panel, even creating the discussion means Gorgiev. They're high enough on Gorgiev to to even for anybody to even create the discussion. It's so, probably not their decision to make. It's probably Hanks yeah. because he's. Pro- I'm guessing he's got an airtight uh, no move. Yep. But if that's the case, he's got, what, maybe a year left? Yep. He, and uh, Gorgiev is a RFA this year. Hank is, uh, Hank will finish. If he's got, if he plays one more year, it'll be a shocker. But he's, you know, this is a guy that would only go at the deadline to somebody who is right in the hunt and needs a second goaltender. And then he, he runs out this year. He's got one year left after this, but he's an eight, eight and a half million dollar hit. Gorgiev so could be moved too because of the not only Lundqvist being Lundqvist, but also the emergence of Igor Shosturkin. Yeah, Shosturkin. So a does big that deal. mean Gorgiev is now expendable? Yeah. Um, so interesting times in the Big Apple. How um, would you? Who would you rather have right now? Goalie Bob for ten million, or Elvis uh, Merzlikens in Columbus for the league mini? Wow. <laughs> right Oops. now, probably. Um, the young kid in Columbus, but the problem is, if he continues to play this way, it won't. It will no longer be a league minimum for right. him. So he's getting more expensive by the day. Um, Anyhow, on we go. Wayne Simmons, yeah, thirty-one Another. years old, five million dollar cap hit. He's UFA this year, no clauses or anything, um, but he has not done for New Jersey what I'm sure Ray Shiro before he was fired um, was hoping Wayne Simmons would no. provide. So. No. Here's here's the problem, Evan, uh-uh. I, and I'll I'll be real quick with this. Half the league has basically no cap space, so thirty one teams, probably sixteen of them, have a million or less. So all these guys you're talking about now, granted, at the end of the season, the cap goes away. So if you could get somebody to hold, say, Wayne Simmons's last few paychecks on their payroll, then he doesn't cost you anything in the playoffs. It's it's such a if you go beyond a rental, the the cap is going to absolutely hamstring all but probably ten of the teams in the league. Mm-hmm. 
moving forward, Alex Galchenyuk in Pittsburgh, 25 years old, $4.9 million cap hit. He is a UFA this year. He's got no clauses on his contract, um, but he is another name that is struggling to find a home, Yep. Um, especially for a high highly touted uh, guy as he was in his draft yeah, years. Was he so, second or third overall? Yeah, third, he was in that yeah. he was in that uh, disastrous Nail Yakupov draft, wasn't he? I think so. I think I think Yakupov went one, Galchenyuk went two or three. Ouch. Um Sam Bennett in Calgary. Elliot Friedman has reported low ball offers that Calgary's received for Sam Bennett, yeah. which is Reported for this basis of, of letting people know that the interest is there. Um, he was fourth overall in 2014. Yeah. Sam, Sam Bennett. Um, based on his production on that, he's been kind of a bust, kind of like Yelchenyuk. Oh, yeah. um, what are these guys? But it makes you it makes you wonder if a feisty guy who who can be physical like Sam Bennett ha- has shown, would a change of scenery allow him to be a top six guy and... Know. And everything like Does that. Does he turn so into that, Anthony Duclair yeah. when he gets to Ottawa? Yeah. Connor Sheary. Guy's got nine lives. I mean, he's just, I didn't, I wasn't buying on him when he was in Pittsburgh a few years ago, but golly, five years later, he's still producing. Yeah. Jake Gardner in Carolina. Uh, three years left on his uh, current contract. He's 29 years old. Uh, he has a seven team no trade list. Um, Great puck mover, great skater, beauty skater, but a threat at both ends of the ice. Brendan Dillon from San Jose, 29 years old, 3.27 million cap hit. He is a UFA, no clauses. Uh, again, he is a top four guy in San Jose. Yeah, and a real good defender. Not not the swiftest kid around, but a really good defender. But he could, could be an ideal rental for oh, somebody. Oh, absolutely. And they, uh, there again, it depends on what happens with San Jose without Logan Couture. Next two weeks for them, or the two weeks out of the out of the All Star break, that's the they become sellers. Who knows? Marcus Johansson in Buffalo, twenty nine years old, four point five million dollar cap hit, one year left on his current contract. He has a ten team no trade list. You got to be troubled if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, honestly. Um, like you're you're here. You are with negative cap hit, negative cap space because of LTIR. And floundering around 500, six, seven points out of the playoffs, probably going nowhere. What do you do? I mean, they have, they've probably rebuilt four times in the last 10 years, and none of them took. Yeah. Andreas Athanasiu in Detroit, 25 years old, uh, $3 million cap hit. He is RFA this year, no clauses. Uh, he could, he's a, Pretty good skater. He could he, he could be a, a good pickup for somebody. He is an absolute beauty skater. He is one of the maybe five, six, seven best skaters in the league. Just can't finish. Hasn't found a way to finish so far. Our favorite goalie will love this one. Um, <laughs> Andre Kasha in Anaheim. He's uh, 24 years old, $2.6 million cap hit. He's got one year left and no clauses. Um, his biggest problem is so far – is his ability to stay healthy. Yep. So He's, that's, a lot that'll of these create guys interesting are yeah. conditionals. And while we're on the subject of the ducks, you know, we, we had talked about Ryan Getzlaff yeah. yesterday and 
who knows about that? I mean, he's got what a year left. Year a left year on his eight million dollars or so cap hit, and um, he's got a no move clause, um, and he's reported to have said that his the only teams he's willing to waive that no move clause for are the Edmonton Oilers, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Colorado Avalanche. Just to throw that out there. We won't spend too much time on it. No. We want to keep moving, but uh, throw that out there that Ryan Getzlaff is kind of your big name trade bait guy so far coming into the deadline. So uh, Michael Granlund in Nashville, he's uh, 27 years old, $5.75 million cap hit. Uh, he is a UFA this year and he has no clauses either. So I, there's some, there's some really underwhelming guys here in this. But look for, that, uh, look for Nashville to clear out uh, though, too, if they don't write the ship. Yeah. If by deadline or whatever, they haven't turned things around and they're not, they don't find themselves at least in a wild card spot. I wouldn't be surprised if you see David Poyle, um, start making some moves. Yeah. Um, maybe not full rebuild, obviously, cause they're, they're too invested in their current, um, push right now, but, um, at least make some moves to try and right the ship before you have to do a rebuilding is kind of what I'm saying with Poyle there. Um, Brandon Saad in Chicago. Again, you know, I just, he's got I, a $6 million cap in. Yeah. I, and I know that they're in, they're in a mild rebuild. I mean, they're, and, and Jeremy Carlton's one of the guys that I wanted to talk about for just a minute because he's done a tremendous job with a really banged up roster. They've got a bunch of guys that are too young. They got guys that are too old but he's got them winning and got them in the playoffs. And really, they've, they've hunted down uh, some of those Central Division teams. And, yep. and that's, that's just good coaching, and it's, uh, and it's letting your leaders produce. So Will it last, wow. though, in Chicago? That's the question. That's, so then that's a question heading into these final two weeks into the deadline. Yep. What do they do in these two weeks? Uh, because not only um, is Brandon Saad on this list, but so is Eric Gustafson. Uh, 27-year-old defenseman for Chicago, $1.2 million cap hit. He is a UFA this year uh, with no clauses. There are a lot of factors here, just a dozen factors with every name. What does the team do for the next 10 games? What is your cap looking like? What are your other guys that need to be signed? What are, what's, where do you stand in those negotiations? But Chicago is a good example. Look at what they're getting out of this Kubalik kid, mm-hmm. Dominic Kubalik. Just fantastically talented young guy. Does he make somebody like Saad at $6 million expendable? And for a rental, um, you know, Brendan Saad's, he's just, everybody wants to sign the big contract, but it makes you totally expendable. I mean, the, the first guy you want to get rid of is the $6 million guy that's got eight goals. Yeah. Uh, to keep things moving here, we'll, we'll kind of, not rush, but we'll kind of um, keep uh, keep things moving so we don't drag it out too much here. Uh, Shane Gossespair in Philly, 26 years old, $4.5 million cap hit, three years left on his current contract. Um, he's had an inability to stay healthy as well. Yeah, and he's going to have to find a place to, to fit in if, if he doesn't stay there. You're, you're one of your favorites, uh, Josh Anderson in Columbus. Oh, uh, is listed here. He's 25 years old, $1.85 million cap hit. He's an RFA this year. Um, Anderson is interesting because he's big enough body, but he can still produce kind of Tom Wilson esque. Um, All right, to you, enough you, to tempt some buyers a little bit. There, I know we don't we don't want to carry down, on too much. So just let you me like say, him, you want him in Toronto. So there you go. All right, put him in Toronto. Forward. Okay, 
toss somebody into Columbus or a, or a conditional pick, sign the kid long-term. At 1.8, what he changes in that Toronto roster is day and night. Don't get me all worked up over this. Okay. Well, that's why I'm trying to move forward. Okay, um, on we go. Alec Martinez in L.A., uh, $4 million $4 cap million. hit. He's 32, one year left, no clauses, mm-hmm. but he's on the other side of things a little bit, most likely, especially if you look at um, how L.A. has been playing. Um, Jason Zucker in Minnesota. 28 years old, $5.5 million cap hit, three years left. They've been trying to peddle him all year. He has a 10-team no-trade list. Um, Sammy Vatnin in New Jersey. Uh, Corey Crawford in Chicago. Robin Leonard in Chicago. Um, But again, that's all dependent on what Chicago does in the next two weeks. Absolutely. Um, P.K. Subban in New Jersey. (laughs) Here we go again. I won't carry on the same way you, you with Anderson in Toronto, but here we go again. You know, a guy you trade nine million dollar cap hit, you and at that cap hit, he's technically supposed to be your core guy. That even through a rebuild, he's the guy you keep around. And yet, every time, every time he's on a team and they struggle, he's their trade bait. Yep. So, what does that say about what does that say about him? And uh, I I did see something from him that made me have respect for him. He doesn't look at it. it. He knows it's a business, but he's there to play. He has fun playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he's enjoying himself on the ice despite the struggles this year and that he's here He's here for New Jersey, and he doesn't look to jump ship. He wants to play, and if they move him, it's the business fine, but he's there to play. So in that regard, respect. But it, it does create the question of what. how does he ruffle feathers in a dressing room that he's the guy you move Um I when, again, when, I don't think he I don't think he is toxic at all. I think he's an extremely popular teammate. Um, he's a high risk, high return guy on the ice. He's extremely popular in the community. He seems like a great kid. I think he's just gone from one ah, excuse me, one steamy shit sandwich to another. From Montreal to Nashville, Nashville played was playing well when he was there, though. They were a competitive team. They are a competitive team, at least up to this point. So. And then off to New Jersey, where things just couldn't have possibly gone any worse. Tyler Toffoli in L.A. I like, I like this kid, too, but he's $4.6 million. 4.6 million, UFA, 27 UFA, no clauses. He's a rental. Thomas Tatar um, <laughs> in Montreal. Uh, he's 29, $4.8 million cap hit. Vegas has retained $500,000 of that when he was moved from Vegas to Montreal. He's got one year left, no clauses. Um, Very popular in Montreal. I'd yeah. be shocked if if they let him go. Jean-Gabriel Pajot in Ottawa. Very interesting guy. Maybe the, the standout. There's two guys on this list that completely stand out for me. Pajot is one because he's a finisher. He's a finisher like Mike Camilleri. He just scores goals, and goals are expensive. He could actually go someplace because at... You know, at his age, uh, I don't know, at, at the age of 27, I would certainly want to hang on to him in Ottawa. But, boy, could he bring in some huge, huge return. The other one in Montreal, and I'm sure you were going to get to, is Kovalchuk, right? Well, I already mentioned Kovalchuk. He's on. He's not on your top the top 30 here, but he's on other names to watch. He's on mine. And this was, the, the bad news is, you know how you know your franchise is in complete desperation when they sign Ilya Kovalchuk. The good news is he has come into Montreal with so much heart and so much passion, and he's had a great career. But 
would he stagnate and flunk out and make 70,000 in the A or does he produce and he is producing in spades in Montreal. So now all of a sudden you've got a guy that if you, like I said, if you win six out of seven, you get in the playoff hunt, you keep him around. If you, you, you go 500 or less, now you got a guy making 700,000. He's basically free. He costs you zero for the for the end of the season. And what could he bring in return? I mean, somebody that needs a scorer like that, wow. Yep. Uh, Kyle Palmieri, New Jersey, 18 no trade list, $4.65 million cap hit. And your number and your final guy, um, Chris Kreider, 28 years old, $4.625 million cap hit. He is UFA and he has an 11 team no trade list. So yeah. there's your 30 there uh, that are listed. Um, should be interesting in these final two weeks. Um, any fans of specific teams that listen, um, listen to that list, do your own research, um, write in and uh, let us know who you think your team um, might go after, or who might be a good fit for your team. We know you think Josh Anderson would be for Toronto. So we'll Josh leave it at Anderson. that. Um, I'll give you one more spin on the trade bait list. And this is just, this is not the standpoint of, of any particular guy of the, actual contenders and i'm going to say contenders to get out of the first round of the playoffs make the playoffs maybe win a round the ones the only contenders with cap space would be carolina they have three million edmonton's got three pittsburgh has almost five tampa's got seven uh that's where the islanders have 15 and the Colorado Avalanche have 17. That's it. That's the only teams that have enough cap space that you don't have to start playing a shell game with your LTIR or yep. moving salary out to bring salary in. You don't have to play any uh, play any fast ones with your cap to get something done at the deadline. Yep. Those are the only ones. So that's your lead-in from War Room uh, to the trade deadline of coming couple of weeks. To finish off, um, we don't want to drag on too long for our listeners. To finish off here, um, finish off with just some some lighthearted fun a little bit, uh, talking all decade a little bit. Uh, John Leahy is the one who brought it up. Oh, okay. Um, so I want to acknowledge a listener and at least talk about uh, all decade teams. Shout uh, out he, to the mayor of he, Round Grove. <laughs> he mentioned an episode about all decade. Unfortunately, I don't know how to drag out um, conversation about all decade teams. Maybe next week for an hour. You we know what? Next week we got nothing to do except the stupid All Star break, which is the biggest snoozer of the year. Uh, Let's do that. Okay, uh, John, I know you're listening. Next week, next week will be all decade, decade discussion. Highlights. Decade highlights as well as the all-decade team discussion. So that'll be next week. We'll make that next week. That way we don't feel rushed or like we're just um, breezing through something. So That that gives me plenty of time to show everybody how right I am. With the all-star break as well, uh, it gives us some content for next week as well. So next week, um, forgive the confusion um, with the announcement of the all-decade stuff at the beginning and now changing it up. But... Uh, next week will be the all decade highlights and all decade discussion. Nice so, pivot. You know, it's that's what that's one of the great things about being your show. You can do that if you want. I I can. I hey, can bef- indeed. Before we before we get off uh, onto you know signing off and and uh, whatever else we're going to finish up with here and and trivia. Oh my god. Anyway, 
I want to give a shout out to uh, not just to the Edmonton Oilers because they're playing better and they're having they're in the midst of a pretty decent run. But one of the big differences on that team is the play of Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear on defense. Yep. Those two guys have really stepped up this year. Their improvement's been fantastic, and it is not coincidental. The other one is Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh. He's without Crosby for 28 games. He's without Malkin for, what, 12 or 15 games. He's had a merry-go-round in goal, uh, all three of those guys playing decent. He has been depleted uh, on that lineup. They've had a lot of movement in that lineup for the last year and a half, but they are in fourth place overall in the league right now, looking at a shoe-in playoff spot and getting better. They just got Crosby back. So, and And this all goes back to... Some guys make excuses when they get when they have injuries and and roster churn. Some guys, well, it make goes wins. to show you the point that it's not it's not um, grasping at straws to say or a cliche to say that the competitive teams, the teams that compete each year, yeah, it really doesn't matter who's in your lineup. No, it, it, okay. you can have you can. I mean, look at the Avalanche this year. Ranton and Landeskog miss 16 games each. Johnson misses time. Gerard misses time. Gru- misses Grubauer time. misses time. Right. McCarr misses time. Francois misses time. Uh, Burakovsky misses time. Donskoy is missing time currently. Kadri missed time. I mean, go down the list of these guys that are your top guys in a ro- on a roster. And not only does Nathan McKinnon still have 70, 70 plus points without his line mates but he also but the team is also sitting second in the central division and second or third in the entire western conference and they've got just they've got as much if not more man games lost to injury this year than maybe anybody and so it goes to show you that a competitive team good coaching all these things coming together means that no matter who's in your lineup you can win games. And the Avalanche That's have won right. games with AHL players in an AHL lineup for a chunk of this season. And that's to prove the point. Pittsburgh being Pittsburgh another. Same way. Cros- without Crosby, without these guys, and they ha- they now had a better Gensel. record without Crosby than when they had him. Yeah. And they've, they're have they 18-5-2 or something. So good on them. And it goes to show you that competitive teams, no matter who's in your lineup, superstars or AHL muckers, get the job done yep. if you are a if you are a winning contending competitive team correct salute mike sullivan so salute bruce cassidy in boston salute jared Barry bednar, Trotz, jared bednar. Uh, these guys just produce and don't look now but joe quenville's got florida play in the same way mm-hmm. uh roddy brindamore in carolina and these are we can and, debate and torts in in columbus we can debate all we want we can debate all we want about it. it. It's fun. It's fun to push buttons. But Rick Tockett has Arizona playing very good Absolutely hockey. Absolutely right. Whether they make the playoffs or not, the point is Rick Tockett has that team, has that team competing Mentioned to the before. point where no matter who's in that lineup, they are competing. Yep. So good on Rick Tockett. That's exactly well. right. So, um, bookend things here. Trivia question: oh. Who became the NHL's first female goalie playing for Tampa Bay? I happen to know this one. That is Manon Rayom. Correct. There you go. See? 
simple enough with trivia. So there you go. Um, what are we looking forward to this coming week? Not much with the All-Star break. I'm looking forward to the All-Star break being done. That way yeah. we can get back to hockey stuff. But with the All-Star break, I am looking forward to having more of a focus on NCAA hockey and some junior hockey. Yep. Um, because they won't be an All-Star break. They will be pushing for their playoffs and their, their finish. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm My, my favorite thing about All-Star weekend is when it's over. Mm-hmm. So... I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to next Tuesday or Wednesday when everybody hits the ice again. But uh, we'll throw the decade episode together next week. Yep. And uh, what else? Talk a little bit more about the shape of junior hockey in our area, the WHL. Well, we'll start putting uh, out more. We'll start putting out more episodes focused on junior hockey a little more through throughout the entirety of an episode, especially as junior and NCAA hockey starts getting right. toward the climax and conclusion of their seasons. Uh, Memorial Cup, um, CJHL playoffs, not just in the BCHL, but across the Canadian Junior League. Yes. And as well as the um, conference tournaments and lead into the Frozen Four for NCAA. So we'll touch more on that in a more full episode, detailed manner as uh, the weeks move forward. Um, when the uh, when the season starts to wind down, we should have an episode. We should go back to our preseason predictions so we can remind everyone how right I am. Yes. How's that? Okay. Well, um, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in and for their patience through, um, s- through the technical difficulties. Um, we were in so a rebuild there for we, a while. We lost Louie, yeah. and we, we so, went through a major rebuild on the fly. Forgive us for the issues. Uh, thank you for your patience and sticking with us. Um, listeners are the driving force behind what we do. We can't thank you enough for your continued love, support, and for continuing to tune in. Um, head to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, and at War Hockey, respectively. Uh, like and follow. Uh, head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe, rate and review, and share with family and friends. Continue to help us get this show to continue to grow and continue the love and support, and we greatly appreciate that. And um, head promise. to yeah, go ahead. Head to warroomhockey.com. Um, you can also catch the latest episodes of the podcast there, as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, you were going to say something before we. Oh, I just wanted to. I just wanted to give a disclaimer that while you were away during Christmas, while you and your wife were gone, I was not in the studio pressing buttons. The fact that we lost two entire episodes when you got back, I promise you, I didn't trip over an extension cord or anything. I did not do that. Although you did text me, you did text me while I was gone and say that you were in here pushing <laughs> buttons. So. Who knows what's to believe? Uh, thank you for joining in studio. Always my pleasure. Um, I'm Evan Rauer with Warren the Hockey Podcast, and I will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers, Cheers everybody.